Hello and welcome to the Spirit World Center. The following is the Spirit World Center podcast. If you have any questions about the spirits or shamanic training, you can visit our website at spiritworldcenter.com. And now, please enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Spirit World Center. Today, I'm joined by Anna Alexandra. Anna is a Reiki master, Reiki grandmaster, Karuna Reiki master, certified angel guide, spiritualist healing medium trainee, and psychic medium. And she is absolutely fascinating. And she's here to talk about her spiritual practice and also talk about some amazing spiritual and paranormal experiences that she's had over the years, being someone who all of her clairs have been open since she was very young. So Anna, how are you today? I'm good. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, it's such an honor to be here today. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. Um, so Anna, what is it like to be someone whose who's clairs have been open since you were a child? And, and also, what do you do now with, with that gift, with that ability? Well, I'm finally, let's say, uh, harnessing um, and expanding my gift. Uh, for a very long time, I've been running away from my gift, and I was very afraid of my gift um, because I didn't understand it. <laughs> and the people around me did not understand it either. Uh, being born as a Greek Orthodox wasn't easy because we don't believe in afterlife, <laughs> technically. Um, so it wasn't easy explaining what was happening and having um, an explanation or support with time. Uh, I kind of had to figure out my own support and figure out um, my path <laughs> in a way. So life kind of threw me in a lot of uh, different situations to teach me <laughs> uh, if I were prepared I probably I would have understood a lot more now I understand why they happened uh, it, it happened to, for us to meet today in many ways that's for sure <laughs> it uh, it must be tough trying to figure out what's going on with these kind of gifts in yeah in an environment where there's really no no explanations but it, you eventually came to reiki and and to mediumship and a number of other things how does that uh, play out in your life uh, at the moment so what do you do and, um, and and what kind of services do you provide i provide most uh, most of my services are reiki and karuna reiki treatments um, that are blended with uh, spirit messages and uh, technically i'm blending my psychic mediumship into my uh, reiki karuna sessions uh, something that uh, I'm not allowed to do in the spiritual uh, healing part. I can only do healing there. And if anyone needs a reading, they need to book like a separate uh, appointment with me. But I'm also doing, um, well, soon we'll be starting to do weddings and funerals and baptizes uh, as a reverend of metaphysical spiritualism. So I'm expanding as we speak <laughs> i'm also trying to finish up my book my first book my editor is uh, chasing me <laughs> pretty much at this point um so a lot of things but mainly healing hey healing in any shape and form i would say because healing can come 
um, in many forms, even talking with a person can be healing, even um, eating a proper diet can be healing, even walking or just contemplating the sky can be a healing experience. It's, it's the intention behind it that counts. I like that point. Absolutely. And, and what's your first book on? Well, it's going to be technically on my life and how I came uh, into um, fully integrating my uh, my gifts and expanding the gifts and um, how that happened. Fantastic. So uh, going back into your life then, because uh, it sounds like we're, <laughs> we're kind of touching on the book as well. Um, when did you know that you were different let's say when did you realize that you have your clears open when did you start to realize that the things that were happening to you weren't what was happening to everyone else that's a good question because i for a very long time i thought that was something that it was happening to everyone <laughs> because kids have the tendency to be very open uh, um, until the age of seven eight years old they are very very much open so conversations as a as a kid between five to age eight or I would say it was normal with kids like we all believed in spirit and fairies and everything and then school happened and uh, you start losing that touch you start losing also that peace that you have as a child only just you have to um play and sleep and eat pretty much with school um you're in a way you're stressed it's a new environment there are new kids so i realized that i'm when i started school i started realizing that i'm not um like everyone else uh, that i can sense more i can see more um kids wouldn't just go into their break after a after a class and I would just sit there um, because I would feel overwhelmed by everyone's energy and I felt I was feeling that I just needed to breathe once everyone was out of the classroom I was like oh <laughs> thank you <laughs> um, and I, they were all coming to school with spirits attached to them and I could see or sense them which was weird <laughs> in a way as a child because I tried talking about it and they made fun of me so um, my parents of course had to take me to uh, psychiatric evaluation and uh, uh, MRIs to see if I have anything in my brain touching that I'm having visions about and I came up normal apparently <laughs> so to the despair of my father uh, that is a non-believer um, my mom actually started siding with me and she started believing because she is sensitive as well and she, finally she could relate to someone um, but yeah school was the first time when I realized that I wasn't really uh, like everyone else let's say so so when you were seeing these attachments, how was that coming through? Were you seeing it in your mind's eye or were you feeling it? And and what kind of attachments were you seeing in your schoolmates? Um, as a kid, I used to like divide them in like black, uh, white and kind of grayish. 
entities, white were technically the ones that I would perceive as good benevolent entities. Dark and black would have been something that I would stay away that would frighten me because their vibration would be so low. I would feel it in my blood, like um, I would feel cold in my cold sensation in my entire body when they would approach and like a paralyzed feeling of not being able to move anymore compared to the white ones that I felt joy, love, peace understanding um i wasn't overwhelmed when they were around and the gray ones um the ones usually that are attached to spirits that had uh, severe accidents usually and they're not sure where they are a hundred percent and because they weren't very tied to any religion necessarily they don't know how to ask for help when they uh, switch form so they're not bad but they're not good either because they haven't done their um review after life review and shed all the karmic and low vibration that earth is pretty much putting into your incarnation so i was perceiving them as like in my third eye some of them but some of them as a kid because i was so open and i didn't have any boundaries i could see like materializing some of them as being as as real as you <laughs> pretty much as i'm looking at you right now and they would always sit around like behind the person um usually and they would disappear the moment uh, they would come they would realize someone is seeing them uh, or they would come next to me so close to me that i could couldn't breathe i would have like a weight on my chest um, and it was getting harder and harder to breathe until I was running to the washroom as a kid because I didn't know how to clear that. So I was either running out of the classroom or closing my eyes and praying because I was very much in the church as a kid. And I thought that just praying to God, it, it would just make it better. <laughs> when I will open my eyes, nothing will be there. Sometimes, yes. Sometimes, no. <laughs> And did that skill at seeing these beings continue into your adulthood or um, like, do you, do you still see them in the same way or has that changed? It has changed a bit um, because of my boundaries. I keep asking them to come in a way that are not startling me, are not frightening me that much. So I'm asking them to be more gentle in their approach and I would prefer for them to come in my third eye than actually becoming material <laughs> next to me, because that's still something that um, I'm trying to balance and not freak out, because I think any person would freak out <laughs> if someone just pop up next to you or in front of you, looking at you, being like, okay. <laughs> it's a tough one, right? It's that okay. anything that rushes right up to your face is going to freak you out, even if it's just a person, right? So it happens. You can be as prepared as you think it can be. And like, I'm ready to see them. It's it's still, it's not. Their vibration, it's so high and it's so disturbing uh, of your own when they're entering um, your dimension is until the until you reach their vibration, it takes a second, it takes a minute to do that. So that startling can either make them go away or um, or help you increase yours, depends 
depends on you, but it's it is it's it's freaking everyone out. It's normal. It's yeah, absolutely normal. Absolutely. When you were seeing these beings in the schoolyard, especially the the darker entities, mm-hmm. did you get a sense that they were like attachments that were kind of living vicariously through that person, feeding on that person, anything like that? Or what was your sense there? Yes. Well, and I was looking back then as a kid, I wasn't I wasn't understanding why they were attached. Mm. I just knew they were attached. But now looking back, um, some of the children that had attachments were coming from families that were low vibration, where abuse of some sort was happening or um happened in the past they had generational abuse or um, mental illness that wasn't treated that i would consider entities attached to a person that would with time become a mental health problem because it's not taken care of early so that was um, yeah coming from a low vibration would be the dark ones and the kids that had like loving environment and not necessarily loving environment, but they were very nice souls, mm. I would say. You would see that they would have either gray or white around them. And they would have dark sometimes, but the darkness wouldn't stick around too much mm. because they were in a high vibrational environment, even at home. They weren't uh, belittled or they were helped by their family quite a bit so and sheltered by their love which is big Mm. it's big my grandmother uh, when my when she died she was one of the spirits that protected me very very much very much because i was very abused by the dark entities um being so open and being Mm. a beacon of light it's it's like opening a light bulb in the darkness. All the mosquitoes will be attracted to the light bulb. That doesn't necessarily mean they're bad or not. They're just attracted. How did that go when you're just a child and you have these these dark things attaching to you? Did did you like when did you first learn to cleanse? When did you first learn how to deal with it? And what was the effect when they were being drawn to you like a light bulb in the darkness? nightmares i had horrible nightmares as a kid Uh, horrible horrible nightmares Uh, especially with snakes and feeling snakes in bed and feeling them around me and Mm. and that's coming from another life as well (laughs) when i used to use the power of the snakes and uh, did a lot of bad things (laughs) in another Mm. life we all did (laughs) it's not just me (laughs) Um, but I didn't know how to deal with it until I was 24. Wow. So quite a period of time where you, and did you have the, a lot of kids, right? They kind of close it off maybe at around the age of 12, 13. Um, did that happen for you before it kind of opens up again, or was it open the entire time throughout? It fluctuated based on my belief, uh, to be honest. Like um, I, the senses, uh, the extra sensory, it's still there. No matter what I'm doing, it will be there. Um, the clear vision can come and go uh, based on your vibration. Um, because I lowered my vibration for not believing and running away from them. 
and go and having low vibration entities uh, around me thinking that they will I was feeling very high self-esteem because <laughs> this is what they're doing uh, the low vibration they will boost everything that is low vibration within you because I didn't believe in myself they hit the low self-esteem the most and they falsely uh, inflamed it for until the age 24 when I was coming out from a very abusive relationship um, that I manifested because I was so low, low self-esteem under all that image of being strong and mighty and I can do everything and anything. Those entities were chipping in and making a bigger and bigger hole inside me and that hole attracted a low vibrational soul as a partner at that time they'll play on the ego they'll boost you up in that oh, way absolutely. while feeding on you right feeding oh, on all the stuff you're doing so at the age of 24 then it sounds like you learn to cleanse so it sounds like you start dealing with these entities what type of life change comes about when when you start realizing how to work with this first it's it's a nightmare <laughs> it's it's worse than you were living in pretty much because you're bringing light into darkness and first you have to pretty much break down until you can um, build yourself up so i had to break every ounce of my soul and myself down to zero to creation mode pretty much to the day i was born and go and deal with everything from sexual abuse at age of nine to like uh, rape and abusive relationship at uh, 24 so and understand why i needed them and because i needed them and i that i created them because i needed them i needed those hard lessons to learn from them to grow from them and they were written in my spiritual contract pretty much that's why i wasn't supposed to um find enlightenment let's say so at a younger age i had to to deal with all my karmic baggage because what i've done through the first 24 years i re i i cleared all all my karma from all the past lives this technically being my last incarnation um that's why it was so strong and so hard and at 24 and a half i found reiki which completely changed my life but also completely exploded <laughs> that and that's when i had to break down and send light and uh, learn how to send light to past present and future self and soothe everyone and and weave that energy back into oneness and into god uh, god's love source creation or universe whatever we want to call the higher power a spiritual awakening like that really can be rough and that's i mean something that i've seen time and time again though and heard is what you're saying there which is there needed to be these bad things that happened in my life in order to actually turn me into the person that i am now it's like you know, if I didn't have this context, if I didn't have these experiences, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing now in helping people. And in, uh, do you feel like that's part of it? Yes, yes, much. Because last year when 
<clears throat> sorry, when I started um, building my business more and more in Canada, I, I've been working ever since I got my degrees with Reiki for friends and family and uh, friends of the family. But I wasn't um, strong enough to say, I'm coming out of the world. <laughs> and in 2019, uh, I started doing the work more to come to the world and open up because I was like, I don't want other people to go through what I went through. I don't want people to be misguided. I don't want uh, people to be taken advantage of because unfortunately among um, among us, there are also people that believe that they're at a higher level than they are and they misguide a lot of people um, and they're not knowledge is supposed to come in beats and waves it's not supposed to come with like an info dump all of a sudden and um, shock you because that shock can give you 10 steps back and you're just one step closer and instead of giving a helping hand to a person and just shining the light for them to figure out their own light you're trying to tore down their walls to get them out when there is still a seed and they're not in bloom they're not a bud yet ready to open up there's they need that storm there for a reason it was created for a reason that is a very very interesting idea there um exactly you have to have patience on this path right it's going to take a while to heal a while to change into what you're destined to be you got to have patience and if you if you go too far so it, it it basically sounds like you're saying as a spiritual healer right if you give them too much information you're going to overload them and it's actually going to be counterproductive to their yeah. spiritual growth yeah yeah, absolutely. I've I've definitely seen that too. And um that's really curious. That's really curious. You, you had a um go ahead. Some may need that shock. Some may need that shock, but it it's rare. Um and those are really old souls that are really tied to their ego persona in during mm. incarnation and they're supposed to awaken and they're still tied to that persona and you're like you're supposed to leave now. <laughs> it's your time <laughs> and you kind of try to shock them but gently shock them mm. like, it has always you always have to um come from a hard base would that be something that you would like someone else to do to you mm -hmm. awaken you up like with a cold shower like that or would you like, would you prefer someone to awaken you in the morning with a gentle, caressing way instead of throwing a bucket of cold water on you and being like, wake up? <laughs> and it really depends on the person, I suppose, as well, right? They might be ready for a for a cold shower in the morning to get going and, yeah. and other people, they might, yeah. yeah. And it's it's interesting that you mentioned the the ego there and and you know how attached to it they are. Um, how do you see within your practice and within your, within your experience, how do you see the relationship between the ego and the higher self? And, and how do you see that kind of, that kind of um, interaction of our multiple selves kind of working and playing out? It's a beautiful dance. If we know, if we learn how to dance with it, uh, we need to appreciate our ego as well as our higher self. 
we need to understand that both are necessary. Um, ego is necessary for incarnation because technically it's our anchor uh, to hold us here on earth and um, to make sense of uh, this material world 3D that we're living into. Our higher self is anchoring us into our spiritual world. So if we remove one of the anchors, technically we're drifting and the wind can just change us and take us in a good place or not that great place. That's why it's equally important to develop both sides, ego and higher self, and be in balance with both. I would say maybe a bit more towards spiritual, but that's me being biased. Uh, for some people, um, ego is good. For some, it's too much. Depends. That's why balance in everything is it's really important, even in in spirituality, spiritualism, spirituality. It's important to to have a clear head at one point and just ask questions, and not just. I understand being, and it's really important to accept things as they are, but that doesn't mean not to ask questions and understand what's happening. Um, maybe not right away, you'll get the answers. Answers might come down the road. The idea of not going into desperation <laughs> because you're not receiving an answer, that's balancing the spiritual. Uh, trusting the process that answers will come to your answers. You ask the questions, so you're trusting your ego with asking the questions. The spirit will answer in divine time. I love it. That's very, very well said. Very well said. Absolutely. It's this interplay, this dance. They're both necessary. You know, it's not like kill your ego and just be your higher self. It's like, no, no, mm-hmm. they, they it has to work together, right? Balance. Exactly. Okay. I love it. And so You've you've opened up your practice in the last year and a half, or or, or, or I guess since 2019, right? So you've you've come out to the world as this spiritual healer. Um, since then, what kind of clients do you get, and like where where are they on their spirit? Do they tend to be on their spiritual journey, and what do they need? It's it's very interesting, you know, when people seem to be called to the people who can help them. You know, and so it's always curious because everyone has their own kind of style when it comes to spiritual healing. And so I find people might, a practitioner might attract a certain type of clientele, right? We're a certain, at a certain point. So, you know, without going into specifics, right? Uh, what, uh, what's your average client like? I'm a big kid, so I'm working a lot with children and with highly sensitive children, which is a blessing. Um, in the 3D world, you would call them autistic um, children. I uh, I hate that term, to be honest. Hate is a strong word, but I dislike it because there is nothing wrong with them. They're very, very, very gentle and highly sensitive and highly intelligent souls. Um, that are not fully anchored within their 3D body. That's the only the only problem with them. And by not being fully anchored within their body, it's a, they're having a hard time expressing themselves. And I see that um, I had that as a child as well. And probably that's why I'm tr- attracting kids like uh, like I was in uh, certain ways, um, because I want to show them 
that they're perfect, no matter what, no matter the flaw that you have, you can be a gentle soul regardless. And I think that's why I'm working a lot more with uh, with children and forming the new generation, let's say so, um, and working with the parents of the children because I always ask them to be, when I'm accept, accepting the children, which is usually, I always do. <laughs> Um, I always ask the parents to be very involved because I always say if the environment is not changing for the child, then I can do anything and everything for that kid. The kid will still be in the same environment and will not benefit. It will just be today is beautiful. Tomorrow is going to be darkness again. So it's a learning curve uh, for parents and children too. So I'm working with both mainly with the child, but I'm also having sessions, separate sessions with the parents as well, clearing them, doing meditations, discussing uh, discussing answers that the child gave during uh, the treatment um, from the higher self point of view of the child and why they, uh, why they chose the parents, um, why they chose being autistic in this incarnation and have this type of challenges and I, I, I also see a lot of relief in the parents by, the, uh, by working with them and receiving a different answer than the Western medicine is giving them, uh, which is medication and your child is pretty much broken, which is not. They're not. They're beautiful souls. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. That is, that is really a, a beautiful way of working. And, uh, and so I said, what you're, what you're providing, it's kind of a mix of type metaphysics, of uh, pretty much. metaphysics counseling, which is technically uh, what I will do after I'm uh, done with my second degree at the uh, University of Sedona. Fantastic. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, it's, it sounds like you're doing wonderful, wonderful work. Hope so. And, um, it's curious because you were mentioning that uh, about a year and a half ago, you had a um, an occurrence that was negative at first, perhaps, uh, very negative, and then uh, has helped you become perhaps more who you need to be right now. Can you tell us about that? Yes. Uh, so <laughs> 2020, May 5th. Five five, the portal of five five. Like I, I will never forget that day. Um, I was at work and I was supposed to pack my office and change everything because of uh, the pandemic. We didn't have someone to do that for us, so I had to do it myself. And I sensed there were new people in the department during that period of time and they weren't having really great conversation well there wasn't really great conversation for the past two years let's be honest about it everyone was in fear and everyone was speaking from a fear level so the energy in the office was quite low plus the building is built on a native land so it's a lot of mixed energies and energies bumping head in that building and I could feel like a very very dark entity approaching and circling me that day I tried meditating I tried putting protection around me um, but I was off balance as well I wasn't in balance it was it 
fear touched me as well. I'm, I'm not untouchable. Fear touched me during pandemic quite a bit in the beginning, like everyone else. And I just, it felt like someone took over me, took over my entire body, even though my brain was kind of trying to scream at me like something is happening. I put my hands in a huge box trying to lift it. I've managed to lift it halfway through. I took control of my body again and I, I, I realized that I'm going to hurt myself. This is not good. And I dropped the box. While dropping the box in those split seconds, another feeling came to me being like, you're going to be okay. This is meant to happen this way. But I shrugged. I, I just put it to the side because I was in too much pain. I was like, seriously, <laughs> I'm going to be okay. I think I broke my back. <laughs> I went to the hospital being uh, during lockdowns. They kind of refused to treat me at the ER and they pushed me back to my family doctor. My family doctor was in lockdown because they had a COVID patient. <laughs> so everywhere I was going, I wasn't receiving treatment. And the message when I was meditating, because the only way to sit in that much pain was meditation and being in my astral projection a lot more than in my body because my body was so painful to be in um, so mantra chanting came in, into hand quite a bit the vibration of the mantras started changing something within me and then more people with different treatments started coming towards me first it came acupuncture uh, but the traditional Chinese medicine acupuncture, not the Western one, which is a bit uh, washed down version of the acupuncture. And that helped quite a bit with massage therapy. Physiotherapy wasn't great because it wasn't helpful. The funny part was nothing, not the MRI, not the CAT scan, nothing was showing something wrong with my spine. Yet I wasn't able to sit hold anything in my hands. I was shaking like a leaf. My husband was pretty much the one holding me and dragging me around the house to take me around the house. And the books of Dolores Cannon, um, I started digging into them more and more and more and more. And I, because I couldn't read and hold a book, I was listening to them with my headphones on. And then I said, you know what? I've tried everything. I went to doctors. I went to specialists. I went to acupuncture. I'm trying to heal myself. I'm also volunteering for the trans healing class to receive healing. What else can I do? I was desperate. And then I said, why am I not trying quantum uh, QHT, quantum healing? Let's find someone. And I found someone uh, that I, and I did QHT at the beginning of this year change my world from that moment not instantly like everyone thinks like you're gonna go there and you're there gonna just take it off and when you're coming out it's gonna be perfect it took about three to six months to actually feel the shift in quantum and what changed but i would say i healed myself in many ways <laughs> Because the only medication they gave me was um, payment painkillers, and they weren't really great. The painkillers, meditation, acupuncture, finding the right people, not following 
their uh, uh, their um, advice all the time and uh, taking their advice with a grain of salt um, helped me find find my way and heal my back. I'm not a hundred percent yet, but I'm at I would say it's seventy five percent recovered. Uh, that's phenomenal. Yeah, I mean it's it's amazing to be taken to that lower point and and really to to build yourself back up again from it right i mean that creates a lot of inner strength so that's that's quite something the when you had the injury so if you don't mind delving into that a bit more so it did feel like there was something else there that was influencing you and in essence kind of influenced you to pick up that box in a way that was going to injure you it was it was and it was so strong that um i only had this type of feelings maybe two or three times in my lifetime through like a sleep paralysis Mm -hmm. uh when they would like come around me really low uh vibration entities when i was it's not really sleep paralysis it's me coming out of sleep and entities were around attacking and I wasn't fully in my body. So um, I would feel paralyzed and out of breath and they could have done pretty much anything with my body until I was fully back in my body. And I think when this injury happened, I wasn't fully in my body because I was so caught up in my fear and in my fearful mind Um because of the conversation that was going behind my back in the office that I wasn't fully aware like I would normally be of what's happening I could sense that lurking around but I'm so used with spirits lurking around that I didn't perceive how strong it will be I think it was looking for the perfect time to kind of attack let's say so he was like circling to see which side of my auric field will become weaker so they could penetrate um, through that space and just completely attack at that point because this is what they do they they Mm. will sit around you circle 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 um, see if they can scare you enough to for you to lower your vibrations so they can actually step forward and take over Mm -hmm. and it's a gradient right it's like it's not always full-on possession but influencing and that type of thing too right oh yes smoking alcohol there are low vibration entities that technically um you open the door for them when you start doing uh smoking or uh, drinking alcohol but the more you do the more you hold them next to you and you keep them more and more and more closer in your auric field so you're giving them permission to actually take over, uh, take control of you. And then, you know, it's, it's not even your ego and higher self anymore. It's, it's something else living vicariously through your body, right. Or even yeah. living a bit more directly through your body. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, it's quite something. And, and yeah, it, it's waiting for that moment when your consciousness isn't fully there. As you say, it's almost like when you were distracted by fear, you're distracted by other things going on in the office. That's when it's, it's almost like you're astral traveling at that time. And it's almost like leaving a gap in your body that it can come into. Right. Exactly. So technically your vessel is left half empty. It's like a ship. 
that you kind of removed part of your uh, of your, of your the inhabitants on that ship and you left a part of it open to anything. And they can come and party because low spirit, they usually love their life on earth, on this duality and they love their life here so they're so attached to it they they need someone to continue their life and they're not allowed to technically incarnate right away or at all so they will attach themselves to someone that that's doing that that's giving their power away to just get someone else's but sometimes you don't even realize that you're doing that uh, because they influence you to just create things around you so you would feel bad so you you wouldn't even realize that you're giving away the power so it's like hey they want us smoking and mm-hmm. so they're going to make sure that we enter into stressful situations where we're going to want that nicotine to try and calm down right so it's these these multi-level games that can be going on not just the urge for the cigarette but rather we're going to structure things so that there's this uh so that there's the structure of rewards where you're going to be pushed towards the outcome we want right Exactly. And on top of the situation, maybe some new friends that decided to like uh, smoke or they have more emphasis on smoking recently that will be like, oh, so X, Y, Z is doing and they're okay. So why not? (laughs) You feel understood (laughs) in a way in your addiction, in your uh, low vibration addiction. Definitely. It's something to, to keep an eye on for sure. Um, so we're, we're coming up on time here. Is there anything that you would like to leave the listenership with any words of advice, parting wisdom? I would say always lead with your heart, but don't forget about your mind as well and create a balanced relationship between your mind and soul. And when you go to sleep at night, make sure you are at peace with yourself and be grateful. Always lead with gratitude um, through life and you'll see how things are changing. Believe in yourself. You're a beacon of light that was forgotten by your ego. So just come back to your light. I absolutely love it. And, and Anna, where can people find you online? Where can they find your services? And if they're getting married and they need you uh, as a minister, uh, where can they find all of your things? Uh, on AnnaAlexandra.com. Anna is spelled just with one N um, and it's all together. Or on Instagram as Ministry of the Pink Rose. I'm also on TikTok. <laughs> um, same with Ministry of the Pink Rose. Um, pretty much on YouTube as well as a Ministry of Pink Rose. And you can also see my quantum healing session uh, on my website if you go there to check it out. And if you are ever interested in changing your life. Fantastic. Well, I'll make sure that those are all in the show notes down below. Uh, Anna Alexandra, thank you so much for joining me here today. This has been an absolutely fantastic talk. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was amazing. Such a pleasure. Always a pleasure discussing spirituality.